It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like, and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support. It's a bonus episode where we look back across Series 3. This series covered a lot of terrain, from coaches to emerging players and veterans at the top of their game as well as our first Paralympian guest. We also went international to Britain, Morocco, and across the Tasman to our friends in New Zealand who are shaking things up. But we didn't forget the people behind the scenes either, sports agents, broadcasters, fans, and the community legends at the grassroots of the game. There's not an episode or guest that hasn't left their mark and helped us get further into knowing the sport and the community. Picking out the highlights wasn't easy. My co-host Jacinta Govind and I talk about our most memorable episodes. We're so grateful to our guests for sharing their stories and letting us into their world. But we're really grateful to all of you for listening and supporting the podcast. Series 4 is coming soon. And in the meantime, if you haven't already, go back and listen to these pods. Drop us a line and share what you like. We love to hear your feedback. It means a lot to us and to our guests. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me as always, my co-host Jacinta Gavin, and this time we're talking about Series 3. We're looking back at some specific episodes and kind of talking about things in general. Jacinta, how you been? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Paul. Not too bad. I uh, got caught up in the whirlwind of the FIBA Under-17 World Cups, which was really entertaining to watch. But yeah, it's an yeah, interesting time for basketball at the moment. There's a lot happening. Sure is. I think one of the biggest pieces of news recently is friend and guest on the show Honorary and contributor, yep, Vanessa Panousis has been picked up by the Flames. So she's back at home and she's going to be in this WNBL season upcoming. Yeah, I'm really, really stoked for her. Um, it's great to see her back playing at home. And I'm really glad she was able to get a contract, uh, not just locally, but a contract, you know, as we've said over the last 12 months, it's always been a very competitive landscape to get a WNBL contract. So I'm really glad that she's she's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see her hit the floor for the Flames and uh, see how they go this season. So, you know, I was looking back at season three and we covered a lot of terrain. A lot. 
yeah. a lot. Um, when we decided to do a review of season three and we started to think about some of our uh, some insights and, and memorable stories from season three, when I was going through the list of all the episodes, it was pretty, it was pretty big. It was really, really, um, yeah, it was comprehensive. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of interesting going back and looking over them because we covered all, so many different guests, so many different things. We spoke about British basketball, Kiwi basketball, the upcoming World Cup quite a few times. You know, we got to talk about fan art and so many other things. I mean, for me, I think the three that that stood out for me and it's not these are not my necessarily my favorite episodes these are the ones that i thought had really interesting uh insights or bits of information that came out of it first up was um kayla when we talked to kayla i think one of the things that came across really loud and clear was how passionate she was not only about the sport but also about the things that were going on within and around the sport at the time Everybody knows that Kayla is direct and she'll say what she thinks. But I think what came out in that episode was her opinions on so many different subjects and how passionate she was about them. Yeah, it was um, a really great opportunity for us and hopefully for our listeners as well to get a better insight into the person that Kayla is off the court Um, because we definitely see her on court as a really fierce competitor and a leader for the Opals and off the court if you follow her Instagram, which I highly recommend you do because she's hilarious. We see, you know, the fun side of Kayla, the silly side of Kayla, but I feel like that podcast episode gave us an opportunity to see her not serious but very uh, conscious and, what's the word, very progressive side of Kayla, uh, showing her side of, her, her care for a lot of social issues and it was a very timely interview because it came around the time of the incident in the WNBL with some of the female athletes wearing braids. Yeah, and there was, you know, there was a lot of issues that came up with that one that, that probably should never have happened. Mm. One of the other ones that stood out for me as well, and I think it was more because of, well, it was because of a lot of things. I mean, First of all, it was the passion for the topic, but also the the coverage of so many different things. It was a real masterclass in, in how to do things. Was uh, Justin Nelson, as when we were looking at the upcoming, or the currently underway, the new women's competition in New Zealand. It was such an amazing podcast. Oh, he taught me so many lessons. I, I can't remember in that episode. I think I did say uh, during the recording that it's like, should we be paying you for this, Justin? You're giving away all this system for free. And now when I go and talk to other people about that episode and I'm recommending that episode because, you know, if I'm talking to different club people or different people who need an idea of increasing fan engagement or um, customers or something, that's the episode I'm recommending. And every time I recommend it, I say he's giving this information away for free that yeah. you would go and normally pay thousands of dollars for for some kind of corporate business start up your you know future kind of lecture or workshop or something it was it was one of those episodes where I really had to go and listen twice to make sure I absorbed all of his information as well as I could yeah it really was and I think if there was 
if I really distill it down to like the one takeaway for me, and it all kind of feeds into this is if you take care of the fans, they'll take care of you. And I think that's a lesson a lot of sports should take on board because sometimes, not always, but sometimes I think that drive to professionalism tends to leave the fans behind. Look, one of the biggest mistakes, and I'm a fans first person, fans are the most important people in sport. Players come Mm. and go, coaches come and go. Some players are stars, some players aren't stars. They come and go. If you get a fan, you've got the chance to have them rusted on for life. You've got a chance for them to pass on that fandom to their kids and their grandkids. The fans are the most important people in the game. If you haven't got the fans, close up shop, it's not going to work. I think the big thing for me with the fans and what we did in the WNBL at that time, and maybe it was because a couple of us were pushing it, fans don't just turn up. Don't fall Mm. into the trap of thinking, hey, we're good, we've signed a good player, we've got a good brand, we've got a good home court. The fans will just turn up. They won't. You have to go out and work for it. And I think the reaction to what's happened in New Zealand I think is is pretty much saying, take care of your fans. Take care of your fans. Everything else is going to happen. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be, you know, taking care of your fans doesn't have to be everything on a silver platter, the glitz and glamour that we see in the US. Um, it can be simple things like making car parking affordable for families, having yep. disability access ramps, making, you know, ha- having your games on, you know, coupled with, another event or having kids come for free on a Sunday afternoon or something like that that is going to be more relatable um, and looking after your fans in really just simple ways. It doesn't have to be we're going to look after you because we're going to have more fireworks than any other club or something like that. No, and and look, one of the things that i got to say that uh, really, really impressed me is Mainland Pukai had uh, an initiative where they were asking, would you be willing to purchase tickets that we can give to people who ordinarily would not be able to come to a game? And I think that's that speaks volumes for the clubs wanting to try and engage that fan base. And that's something simple um, and like sentimental that shows the club are looking after their fans and after their community, and especially for a club that's literally brand new. So not a long established club with a long club history, literally brand new saying, those of you that are around us already, we still want to take care of you and create a community. Um, So I thought that was an awesome initiative. Yeah, it it really was. And anybody who's listening, the season's not over yet. If you want to participate, get in touch with the podcast. We will let you know who to contact. Okay, the, the last one of the three and we had to limit ourselves to three because if we didn't we would have been here you know it would have been an hours long podcast yeah and poor mary would have had to <laughs> through it and edit it all <laughs> is amber Merritt? i really liked talking to amber she was open she was funny and more importantly the way she spoke about wheelchair basketball you know i've i've always Every time there's, there's been an opportunity to watch wheelchair basketball, I've, I've watched it. But after that, we made the effort to go and actually watch when they came to Sydney to play. And I've got to say, it is really spectacular to watch. 
and I know, she, you know, uh, she said, you know, if you ever want to come and try it, you should try it. There is no way I'm trying that. That is really, is, you know, I'll take a scrum in rugby over playing wheelchair basketball. Man, that is scary. No, I really want to try it. I was completely opposite. The way she spoke, the way Amber spoke about the sport on that episode, um, the way that her passion came through her voice yeah. of how much she loves the scrap and the competitiveness and the danger almost that comes with a sport, that that uh, hooked me in. That's why I want to go and try it out now. <laughs> and my yeah. um, one of our local state MPs, Liesl Tesh, who, you know, some of us will know as a uh, local MP for Woi Woi down here or Gosford, but she's actually, you know, the legendary wheelchair basketballer, you know, the Lauren Jackson of, or I should just say the Liesl Tesh of wheelchair basketball, <laughs> one of the greatest of all time. She's actually back playing for Sydney. So she was part of the Sydney team who recently came third. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's that's really cool to see her. But no, I really want to get stuck into it now. And it was a sh- I was ashamed that I missed those games when they were in Sydney because of other commitments. But Amber was just way too, almost too easy to talk to. I felt yeah. like that episode almost could have been two parts because she was so genuine Um, And she gave us a really great insight into some of the tricky things happening in wheelchair at the moment with classifications, disability classifications. Yeah. Um, And to be honest, without her insight, I don't think I would have been informed otherwise. No. People like Amber are at threat of not participating. Yeah. And and that would be a real shame because having watched her play, you know, the the, the level of skill that she's bringing to the game is amazing. Um, You know, all of them are just such amazing athletes. But like you said, she was so passionate about the sport. You know, I'm really glad that she got selected to go to the Com Games and can't wait to see how that's going to play out. Three by three, that sounds amazing. And did she talk about three by three on that episode? Yeah, she did. She touched, yeah. she touched on three by three. Yes, and, that's really exciting that it's going to debut at Com Games. Yeah, and... um Apparently, New Zealand's got a reasonably good team too. So it would be, you know, the Cinderella grand final would be Australia, New Zealand in the wheelchair basketball. Yeah. I'll, I'll look, put it out there to the universe, Paul, and it might happen. Yeah, absolutely. Could not wait for that one. No, no. Okay. Now, we'll, we'll talk about your three. And then there's one kind of bonus that's out there. I think we both agree that that'll be we'll, – we'll, we'll end on, on that, but that was a really good one as well. So let's get into your three first. Yeah, so the three that left the greatest impression on me, you know, when we were reflecting through all of the episodes of Season 3, and as you said before, Season 3 included people like Jade Melbourne, uh, the legendary Michelle Timsey Tims. Yep. And I really liked how we covered not just players from past and present, but we also covered – coaches and international leagues, like you said, and and broadcasting as well. And yep. um, a couple of grassroots heroes too with the I'm a Girl program and, of course, the lovely Josie from Promote the Goat. Yep. So it was pretty hard to try and um, think of just three that left the greatest impression on me. But when I went through the list, the first one for me was Fleur McIntyre. Yep. Sydney Kings assistant coach, legend over in WA making the big move to the East Coast to join the Sydney Kings coaching staff under Chase Buford and championship winner. Absolutely. 
first female coach in NBL history to win a championship. Am I right? Yep. That was just amazing. And she was such a great person to talk to, uh, had so many great insights to give us. Yeah, so what, the ones um, that stuck out to me, so Fleur as a person and to talk to, she was great. She was very animated and very forthcoming. Another one where we felt like we could talk to for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it was her episode was timely in a way that it was, uh, I think it was released around International Women's Day and uh, having Breaking the Bias as this year's theme for International Women's Day. So that was really good timing. I'm, I'm going to credit that to Mary because she's, so good at thinking those things. Yep. But I really like Fleur, you know, using her background in academia, having worked at Notre Dame University and using her skills from academia and transferring them into her role as a coach. But the thing that I think stuck out for me, being the Sydney Kings fans that we are, yep, um, was when she said the coaching staff and the club culture they were trying to cultivate in the most recent NBL season was honouring the past and the Sydney Kings history. And she said, we're not the ones digging the well, but we're drinking from the well. So we need to pay respects from, you know, the Sydney Kings of the past who helped us get us to this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I suppose it's one of the things that sometimes people forget, Mm. particularly people who are newly engaged with the sport. They forget that, you know, the Kings have been around for an awfully long time. And, yeah, there was some rough patches, but it's a club with a long, long history. And I think what she was saying is part of what makes the team successful. Yeah, definitely. Really important to honour those that have gone before you, you know, that, you know, we're the ones drinking from the well, but we're not the ones that dug the well. And I think that's always really important that you understand that. So I think that's been something that we've talked about in terms of building the culture. And this is all still a work in progress. You know, it's things that aren't going to happen in six months. I think it's things that we're going to build over a fair bit of time. I think as well, connection to the community. And we just had our presentation today, actually, with Indigenous Round. The amazing artist Stuart came and spoke about his design and his connection obviously to the land, but obviously gave a little bit of background into Aboriginal and Indigenous culture. And I think that sort of stuff is really, really important in terms of building that connection to community. So all these layers, I think, are all these sort of stepping stones and provide that really nice foundation in terms of who we want to be as the Sydney Kings. And I think if we can get that right and really establish that, then obviously that translates to what you're going to see on court. And um, she was also, you know, the perfect example of breaking that bias that was the theme for international women's day being a female coach in a you know in a male team and a male coaching staff and she got, she used the opportunity of the podcast to talk about how we as women we put a lot of self doubt in ourselves and when we're put in those typically male dominated environments we you know, yeah doubt ourselves we tend to hide away we tend to minimize our skills Um, And she's a perfect example of just getting in there, having a go, and she found such a supportive work environment in in that club. So that was a really, really cool story for me. Yeah, it was. It was great, and I I really enjoyed hearing her take on her role within the coaching staff for the Kings. Um, So my second one, are you ready? Yep. Uh, Second one is uh, legendary Lorraine Landon. Yeah. Yeah, so when we had her on the pod talking about the volunteer program for the upcoming uh, FIBA Women's World Cup in September, she's such a joy. Yeah, she's, um, i got to say, 
you know, Lorraine is one of those people, I don't think basketball would be where it is today if it wasn't for her. Um, she's had so much input into the game and the big events, you know, with the Olympics, with Oz 94, so many, so many events that she's been involved in and she's bringing all that experience into the Women's World Cup and the fact that they're going to utilise the volunteers to be able to try and, and build on the legacy of those events and hopefully grow it forward. Yeah, so the, the parts of the episode I enjoyed the most was when she was talking about the volunteer program, how they started to plan of using, I guess, existing resources to help, you know, kind of create the base of the volunteers program, but also as a good way of linking in uh, emerging, you know, athletes, coaches, referees, budding journalists, uh, to give them an opportunity of getting some good experience in an area that they were already so passionate about. So she mentioned in the episode about having referees um, as drivers for the international referees. So that's going to give yep. them some face-to-face contact with people perhaps already operating at a, you know, at a fever level, having young referees an opportunity to have a chat to them about what it's like, how they got there, any advice. And the other cool thing that I liked is that for the floor wipers, as she said, was a very sought-after role. Um, <laughs> having the under-16 New South Wales Metro and New South Wales country athletes who missed out on junior national championships the last two years uh, fill those spots so they could have courtside action to the World Cup because missing a nationals, it's so it's really bizarre to myself and my friends that I grew up playing for New South Wales country with that nationals didn't happen. Yeah. So. When our other friend of the podcast, Renee Garlop, went to nationals this year for the 18 Met- uh, New South Wales Metro team, she said to me, Squin, some of these kids haven't played a nationals before. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, brand new talent, uh, you know, having a growth spurt or something in the last two years for them to now make a team. She said, no, 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 there was no 16s nationals the last two years. So the first time some of these athletes are going to nationals is this year's 18s. And like, that blows my mind. That's amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, that episode with Lorraine, I really hope, I think, I feel like we created um, a sense of the atmosphere that will be at the FIBA World Cup, Um, the the sense of greater global community of people that you might meet just that one week at the World Cup and never meet them again. But it's uh, going to be an experience that you'll never be able to replicate. And that's the kind of stuff I live for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, like I said, just an amazing podcast. Great having Lorraine on. All I can say is if anybody listening ever gets a chance to hear Lorraine speak about basketball, take the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree. The way she speaks about it is so so simple but effective. Yeah. My lucky last impression was it it was hard to go past um, Coach Liz Mills. The second episode we did with Coach Liz Mills, where at the time she was in Morocco, yep. um, about to be the head coach of uh, AS Saleh. Yeah, that was that was really interesting. It was great to get her feedback on the club and the atmosphere that that club has. You know, for anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to look at some of the photos of the stadium when it's got a full crowd, and you know they're letting off flares and the place the place looks like 
you know, they're playing in a London fog. <laughs> oh, it's I, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. I think that's why I really like this episode because it just transported you to a whole other basketball world that perhaps a, you and I you and I perhaps haven't experienced before. Um, yep. Perhaps a lot of our listeners haven't experienced before. And it was, yeah, it was just like a totally foreign, I know it's in a foreign country, totally foreign concept of a basketball experience to me. And I totally bought into it and now I want to be a part of it. Yeah. And, you know, there were some really interesting stories. I mean, first of all, the fact that they let people smoke in the stadium. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Putting aside the flares. But there was also that story that she told us about that young girl that hung around after the game just to meet her. Yeah, oh, that any of those stories really pull at my heartstrings. Um, it was a mum and the two daughters who didn't come to watch the game; they came to watch her coach. Yeah. Oh, that kills me every time. I can't tell you. I was in the first game of the BAL. We had just had practice, and we were told to stay at the stadium because of the opening ceremony. Represent Sully in the opening ceremony. And I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, I've just had practice. Let me, you know, cool down and walk around the stadium, just relax away from the team. And I'm in my like mask. I've taken off the Sally gear. So, cause I didn't want to draw attention to myself and I get tapped on the shoulder and it's an Ethiopian woman with her two daughters. They must've been maybe about eight and 10. And she's like, are you, are you coach Liz Mills? I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, yes. And she's like, we're here to see you. And I'm like, we're not actually playing today. And she's like, no, no, we're going to come to every game and we're going to, we're just here to watch you coach. We like basketball, but we want to watch you coach. And her two young daughters were like, we want to be like you when we grow up. Oh. And oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And that meant more to me than any of the games played. You know, it's she's got such a great story. You know, a woman coaching men's teams in Africa and at the highest level. Yeah, and, and like the con, almost like the contrasting experience of culture and, and of going into a different culture and the male-dominated space as well. Um, how she really had to, as she said in her own words, break the glass ceiling to get there. Yeah. And, and look, she's done it. And the thing that surprises me is she's not a bigger story here in Australia. I mean, people in the basketball world know her, mm-hmm. but this is somebody who's gotten to the pinnacle. They've done just such an amazing job with the teams that they've coached. Mm-hmm. And where's the coverage? I mean, apart from that one unfortunate oh. That we're not going to repeat, but he who not who will not be named. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, but it's like I, I'm just I I still every time I think about it, it's like why is Liz not a bigger story here? And you know, it's really interesting. Like um, I'm in a couple of you know, obviously being on different platforms of social media, seeing lots of different opinions and chats about coaching staff from around the world, and there's been a lot of chat recently in some platforms I'm a part of about past uh, NBL coaches we've had and their movements and whether they're going to re-sign with an NBL club or whether they're going to go back overseas and how good of a coach they were. And these international coaches, at the same time, I'm like, 
it's exactly what you said. It's like we've got coaches like Liz Mills doing similar things overseas and just because it's in uh, the African League, like the ball that we don't know heaps about, but it is an NBA-supported and created league. Yep. Um, and it's still head coaching roles of national teams and, you know, national leagues. It's it's On paper, it's the same. I wonder if you were to put Liz Mills' coaching resume with a name like Les Mills instead. Oh, uh, yeah. What would the response be? Yeah, I know. And that's that's one of those questions that you don't want to answer because you know what it'll be and you're not going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For me, there's one extra, and I think we're both going to be on the same page on this one. <laughs> and you, you mentioned it earlier. It's the podcast we did with Josie Toy on Promote the Goat. I think that was such an amazing story from its inception through to what it is today and its journey and where I think it can get to. Just an amazing story. Uh, and just to hear her passion behind it um, and to hear her for lack of a better word, vision of what the purpose of Promote the Goat is and using it as a vehicle to teach a lot of young kids who are generally from more marginalised populations or from more disadvantaged backgrounds, using Promote the Goat as a vehicle to teach them a lot of long-standing and important life lessons. So she was talking about developing resilience in young people, which I think generally today, you know, we're talking about how we're in the age of entitlement Developing resilience in in people, especially young people right now, is really, really important. Um, and I know that they've lived through the whole two years of the pandemic with, you know, not being able to go to school and sport and a lot of those adversities too. But I think developing resilience in people is a lesson that shouldn't still shouldn't be taken away. But I'll be honest, when she said she's making them run eight to ten line sprints, I felt so <laughs> deeply for those kids. Eight to ten line sprints. Yeah. And, you know, we're not talking up and backs. We're talking no, no, no. halfway. Yeah. Good Lord, Josie. Um, no, I, I, remember, I actually still remember the look on your face when she said that. I know the pain. And, look, me harping on about teaching young kids resilience, maybe I should go do a Promote the Goat session because it sounds like I might need a strong lesson in resilience. At the moment. I'm cringing eight to ten line sprints. Oh, oh my word. But... Um, one of my friends, Ray from Sunday Scrimmage, he listened to that episode as well and he also loved it. He grew up playing with Josie in Parramatta back in the day. Yep. Um, and he loved it and he was really happy that Josie was able to tell her story on any kind of platform because he also felt like it was an important story that people needed to know. So um, I'm really, really glad that we got Josie as a guest and I hope it opens up a couple of doors for her and for the program. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered off those podcasts. We've thrown in our extra and we're going to be taking a break and we're going to be coming back in August with season four. Season four is going to be focusing on international, the run-ups to the Women's World Cup, the preparations for the next WNBL season. So there's a lot of really interesting things going on. The UK League is starting to get up to speed. We'll be able to talk about what's happened in New Zealand as well once their league kind of wraps up and hopefully we'll be able to get some updates from Lyndon about what's going on over there. Maybe we can get Lyndon and Justin on at the same time and have like a, a administrative and a fan base 
kind of perspective in the same pod. Hey, that's not such a bad idea. And so it's been great going through season three with you. I know there's a few surprises that we've got up our sleeve that are coming as well and can't wait for season four. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm already dreading the end of the Women's World Cup, but that's just me getting ahead of myself. But I'm really looking forward to season four um, ramping up towards the World Cup, and I'll try not to think about the point when it ends. Well, think about it this way. It ends, the WNBL season starts just a couple of weeks after that. So, Well, look, the WNBL will have big shoes to fill. (laughs) As always, it's been great having you on the show with me, talking all things women's hoops and women in hoops. Can't wait for season four. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.